All right, guys, since everybody's in here, we're going to go ahead and get started. Welcome to the dating breakout, uh, where we're going to talk about what it looks like for Christians to pursue faithfulness through the ins and outs of relationships. Uh, but before that, we just wanted to go ahead and do a quick intro. My name's Hunter Levine. I'm the SALT director at City Church Tallahassee with FSU, FAMU, and TCC. Uh, you can go ahead, Christian. My name is Christian, and uh, I am the pastor of a church that's going to be planted in fall 2024 in Las Vegas. Free NLV, go. go Rebels. Come on. You guys can give it up for that, too. Come on. Come on. Thank you. Yeah. King City Church, and uh, my wife is over there. Hi. Wave. Everyone say, hey, Hannah. Hey, Hannah. She's so hot. All right. <laughs> a happy marriage. Um, my name is Amanda Hill. I'm the associate college director at City Church in Tallahassee. Love you guys. And we're excited just to dive into this subject today. Just a, a quick introduction. There's three things that when we think about dating and relationships that we really need to hold on to. And those three categories are this, God's word. So what does God's word say about how we should think about relationships? How do we think about other people? What types of things should we be pursuing with all relationships in our life? We also need to think about wisdom so what does wisdom look like as we try to apply it in all the different circumstances and situations in our life? And then what are our wants? What are our preferences? And so we're going to look at those three different things today. Just a disclaimer, we can't cover it all. So if you were looking for a 10-hour intensive on how to begin dating, uh, if you were looking... That um, comes after. That comes after. Yeah. That's available in a CD box set sold in the back of a Bronco. Uh, no, I'm kidding, but... Um, we can't cover everything, so what we want to do is we want to try to give you some big picture lenses that you can look at relationships with. And I also just want to acknowledge this. There's probably a lot of brokenness in this room, and I know some people came in and you heard the Justin Bieber and you heard the, the Beyonce single ladies, and you're excited to be here and you love thinking about dating or you love this topic. And I know for some of you in this room that you've had a lot of hurt in your life and a lot of pain. Maybe you've been in some terrible relationships, and we just want to be sensitive to that and say that the gospel of Jesus Christ speaks to that and helps us to understand that we can pursue a good, biblical, godly view of dating and relationships. So with that said, Christian, what does it look like? What does God's word say about dating? Let's begin there. So that's a, it's a massive question. We're going to do a lot of like 30,000 foot answers and that's not going to do it justice, but I think when you look at God's word, you can really see three things about dating, what dating is, um, who to date, and then how to date. So when you look at what dating is, just basically, it's a pursuit of someone that you want to marry one day, okay? It's our journey from being single to married. In our modern day context, we call it dating, you can say courtship, whatever it is. Um, that is just the, the function of what dating is. You would be hard-pressed May I even say it's impossible to argue, I would say from a biblical perspective, that you just date for fun or like recreation, like, oh, my hobby is dating. I just love hooking up with people. It's like that's that you can't go in the Bible and find a foundational argument to say that's true. When you date someone, the purpose of dating from a biblical perspective in the Christian life is to see if that person is, is someone that you could see yourself marrying long term in a covenant relationship. So that's what it is. Um, who to date is another one that's kind of, you probably already know this, but the Bible is pretty clear um, in a couple different passages of scripture, 
Famously, 2 Corinthians 6, 1 is one that talks about not being unequally yoked with um, the world. And another one that I like to talk about is actually in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 29. Paul's talking to women who have lost their husbands to widows, and he gives a qualifying statement. He says, look, if you've lost your husband, that's unfortunate. You can remarry whoever you want. The field is open as long as they are in the Lord. And so the, the who to date, who to pursue has to be someone who is a Christian. Now, obviously, you might know exceptions to the rule. You might have heard someone who married uh, an unbeliever, someone who isn't a Christian. And man, we have some incredible stories of people who did that. And the spouse, whether it was a wife or husband, came to faith later on. And it's like a beautiful story. We rejoice in that. Um, but most of them don't happen that way. And those couples would tell you, even the ones with a happy ending would tell you, don't do what we did. Marry someone who is a believer, who believes what you believe, who loves Jesus. It is a better way. Otherwise, most of the time, unfortunately, just saying it plainly, it's a life of pain. It's difficult in that way. Um, and then how to date is something that, uh, you know, disclaimer, the Bible actually doesn't address dating. If you, you can flip through every page of the Bible, you will never find the word dating in there. Does that mean that it doesn't address it? We can't figure out how to, to date well or anything about it? Absolutely not. Um, the Bible sees you and me in two different categories, single and married. That's you're either a single person or you're married. There's not like you're single and then, oh, you guys are like boo things. And like God sees that and he understands that. And he's like, oh, there's grace for what they did last night. It's like, no, you're either single or you're married. The Hebrew word boo thing. <laughs> yeah. In the original language, actually, it's a yeah. deep meaning word. Um, and so you're, you got two classifications. And when you're single, you are spiritual siblings. A little weird. I know that, right? Um, but what that tells us is then we can have guidelines according to scripture of how we should relate to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. That does inform your pursuit of someone as you date them, um, which is really going to go into what we talk about the rest of the breakout and how do we do this well. There was a phrase that I once heard that that's really helped me the past 10 years. I was probably in college when I heard it, and it's that we're given the blacks and whites of Scripture so that we can navigate the gray. So the Bible is sufficient for everything that we need to do to live faithful, obedient lives to Christ. And at the same time, it's not going to give you the answer to every specific thing. And so as we talk about that today, that's that's one of the things that we want to help you do once again is get the framework to get a, a strong foundation, a strong lens so that you can make decisions because there's people in the this room across a huge spectrum of what your life is going to look like, what backgrounds you come from, what situations you're in. And so we can't address every single specific thing, but we can give you some of those big pictures. Also, the Bible says that if for those who are single, they're not married, whether that's a season or whether that's a lifelong thing, that, that Paul actually says that that could be used to leverage your life to do more and go further for the gospel of Jesus Christ in ways that maybe those who are in relationships and in marriages can't. And also the Bible says that the person who desires a wife is a good thing. That if you're here in this room and maybe you're single and you really desire a spouse, you do want to check your heart to make sure that you're not making an idol out of relationships. And at the same time, the Bible teaches us that it's a good thing because God himself is the one who designed marriage, the thing that hopefully you're pursuing if you're in a relationship. We, so that's God's word. That's category number one. And we need to always start there. That's the highest priority in our life. It has the authority. And then now we're going to push into wisdom. Because wisdom is God's word applied, but that's where it gets a little more nuanced and detailed. So, Amanda, what does wisdom look like in dating? Yeah, so wisdom in dating is going to look like um, discipleship and mentorship um, playing a part and helping you make wise choices. So it's allowing people, trustworthy 
older men, older women who are Christians also, so they're looking to God's word for answers um, and wisdom, for them to be allowed in closely enough to kind of evaluate what's going on in your life and help you walk um, toward the Lord in dating. So that's, you know, we say like, if they can't see it, then they they can't help you through it. So it's really giving um, people in your life, like pastors and Christian mentors, permission to hold up a mirror to you because we all have blind spots um, and say, hey, you're you, it seems like you're straying here a little bit, or um, have you really talked to this um, this other person about like what they believe and if they're following Jesus wholeheartedly? Um, and just you know, kind of opening that door and saying, "I'm willing to be held accountable in this way." Um, so, would you share wisdom? Would you share your life experience? You know, what is your marriage like? What was dating like before that? Um, and just being receptive and being open to, you know, letting those people share in kind of your dating journey. If I could just say something to that in the, in the context of wisdom, one thing too, I just want to say for me, at least speaking on behalf of you guys, I, when I started um, dating for real in my life, I wasn't following Jesus at that time. And so my past is not like clean slate and just pure and amazing, made mistakes. It's some things that I'm not proud of before I met my now wife, Hannah, who we dated and we did the best we could and to the glory of God. But I just want to say that is like, we are not up here with like capes on saying like, this is how you date. And if you do it wrong, like you're totally out of the game and all hope is lost. There's so much grace and redemption in the journey of life and of itself, but specifically in this lane, as you mentioned in the beginning, just remember that like you might be seeing this room and you have a checkered past. That is okay. There's still hope um, for a future of a healthy, beautiful relationship with another person, um, dating and in marriage. I'll just say that. Second thing with wisdom is I think another thing to help you as you are navigating the dating relationship and you talk about wisdom, a lot of people try to say that in just life in general, there's things that are like sin issues and then wisdom issues. Like, oh, it's a wisdom thing, not a sin thing when it's like in the gray area. So it makes it sound like we can live in a little bit of the gray, like foolishly, but scripture is clear. We are called to live a wise life. And what that looks like is when there's a line that you should not cross, the heart attitude should never be, am I crossing this line? It should be, can I get further away from it? Like you're not trying to get tiptoe to the edge of like, all right, we're still safe here doing this or that or dating this way or making this decision. It's like, is this blameless? Is this safe? Is it wise for us to be doing this um, in our relationship? I just think it's a helpful thing that was helpful for me because I'm a guy that's like, I like to toe that line and someone had to pull me back and be like, hey, bro, go be an idiot, dude. And so um, I just want to share that. I feel like the most wisdom is shared when it comes to like setting boundaries, healthy boundaries within dating. Yeah. And I would say this, that in order for someone to give you advice, whether it's dating advice, whether it's, you know, school advice, it's work advice, whatever it may be, they need at least two things. The first thing they need is they need knowledge. They need to know what they're talking about. Like everybody in this room has that friend who like gives lots of relationship advice and you Never know, dated. they probably shouldn't, you know? <laughs> And, um, or, or, you know, it could be anything, right? So they need knowledge. They need to like, this is something they've thought about. This is something they've read and studied and learned from others and they need knowledge, but they also just to reiterate Amanda's point, they need perspective and they can't speak to what they can't see in your life. Like proximity and perspective. And so what I want to encourage you guys to do, if you really want wisdom to be a part of your dating relationships, with the people that the God's placed around you, mentors, people who are discipling you, pouring, pouring into you, faithful friends that you have, you're going to actually have to be open and honest 
And in a social media world, we get it. You, you know, you had an awesome date. Like, look at you two. You climbed a mountain. Like, what won't you do in your life? That's an awesome photo. You know, in this world that we're in, like, we want to project just how great, like, our relationship is. We want to sell people and convince people that we should be together. And yet, at the same time, it's going to take vulnerability for you to get wisdom. It's going to take you saying, I, I need some help thinking through something. And so even an example of that would be, there's probably some people in this room who would love to hear the answer to, when am I ready to get married? And we can't say that without knowing you. We can't help you find that answer. We could give you some general principles, but we'd actually have to talk to you and look at where you're at in your life, where you're at in your relationship. And so we just want to encourage you guys to, to walk out of this room with vulnerability about your relationships to the people that God's placed around you and to fight that urge of protection or projection, I mean, that our society has where we're all acting like we're trying to win, you know, like homecoming pageant, but like we're adults now. There's no homecoming. You don't have to like, you know, do a PR campaign for your relationship. So be honest and open with people. And that's how you're going to get more wisdom in your life. So God's word Wisdom. Now we're going to talk about wants and preferences. So Christian, how do you think through when a students are, are talking about their preferences when pursuing dating? So it's, it might sound like a weird thing to you, but so the three questions I always tell people when they are dating someone, I think if you want to know this person is going to be a long-term prospect for me that may be someone I can marry or see a future with. I think there's three questions you want to a- a- be able to answer. One up top is, do they love Jesus? That's like number one. And this could be like a sliding scale of like one to 10, one being no, 10 being yes. If this is a guy or girl, how much do they love Jesus? If we're honest, this is not hard to answer. We might fool ourselves into thinking, oh, I think they're an eight, but they're really like a four. Like it's not hard to see this, but that's a, that's a top one. Got to know that. Second one is, do you like them? Which again, sounds like, yeah, I like them. I have feelings for them. I mean, like, do you like the person that they are? Do you enjoy being around them? Do you like their political views? Does that bother you? Do you like their hobbies, their interests, their weird smells? Like, do you actually enjoy being around this person? Some people get in a relationship and like, there's maybe not red flags, but there's things that bother them more than they enjoy them. And they don't think that's good enough reason to like break off a relationship. It It is. is. It's like, it's such an important thing. You're going to live the rest of your life with these people. Please like them. You need to like them. Um, And then thirdly is, can you partner together for the kingdom? Like when you get together and you look at your long-term life, it's a problem if like the dude in the relationship's like, I want to be in a rock band and sell coffee out of the back of my car. And then the girl's like, I want to be a missionary in India. That's not going to work. Like that's that's just going to be a fork in the road that's going to only grow over time. Big underground rock scene. (laughs) Yeah. Like I would definitely go the rock scene in that situation. But like. That's just something that you need to know, like, what does our future look like? And can we get together and be better for the kingdom of God, not worse? That doesn't mean you both go into ministry. It doesn't mean you work in the church. It just means, like, we are committed to orienting our life for that greater purpose, and we think we're compatible to do that in that way with our interests, passions, and giftings that God's calling us in. So I think all those things are, are filters to think through that are helpful just knowing, like, depending on how you answer those questions, I can tell you pretty confidently, like, the long-term longevity of your relationship, if it's going to be something that can pan out, Or something that's like, this is a matter of time before you just break up. Mm -hmm. Or should. Especially if they smell. Yeah. (laughs) And then one of the words that we talk a lot at City Church with our students is we use the word kind of trajectory. And so sometimes people are kind of trying to navigate something like, well, I've been following Jesus for eight years and 
I'm really interested in this guy, but he's only been following Jesus for one year. And like, it, it feels like we're in a little bit different places. Asked, and, like, are we still equally yoked? <laughs> yeah. You know, like they ask stuff like that. And what we say is look at, look at someone's trajectory. Like sometimes it's not like there's not, the Bible doesn't say that like the male needs to have followed Jesus longer than the female. And when we try to run these assessments, like some people might focus more on theology, like how much theological understanding does this person have? How much, you know, application do I see in this person's life? Like it's going to be kind of a, a, a flexible system there. But what I would encourage you to do is this. Do I see this person pursuing Jesus? Because in my life, long term, I want to continue to pursue Jesus. And so I need to see that trajectory in their life. Because how you score somebody on maturity might look different than how I would score someone on maturity or might look different than how Christian or, or Amanda might. And so look for that trajectory. And then even also in life, like find somebody. I, I love what you said, that, that you can partner together for the kingdom. Like why did God give us marriage? For his glory, to point people to him. Is this somebody that I feel like I would do really well with? And, and be honest with yourself. And then I would say, like, when thinking about preferences, there's people who kind of fit on two different sides in this room. There's one who you need to have a little bit more flexibility because you tend to put people in the boxes where it's like, I need a six foot two country boy, you know, and maybe the Lord's put a six foot one, you know, more urban person in your life that you should or, look or five, at. Ten. I don't know. Five ten's know. a good height. Five ten's a good height. I think five, I my wife would say five you ten's know. great. Five six, unbelievable five. for someone in the room. But, 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 you know, you might need to get outside of your box. Like you might need to have a little bit more flexibility. And so for you, when you hear preferences, you might need to also just run some assessment and say, you might, you might be holding the too high of a standard or putting people in the box. And then on the other side of the spectrum of that, some of you guys might need a little bit of liberty to say, it's okay if that guy that everybody thinks you should date, you don't. You don't want to. And sometimes I feel like people needed, like, they feel like they need this holy excuse of why they don't want to date somebody or why they're going to break up with somebody. Because, like, if you break up with a guy who cheats on you, like, everybody is going to be like, you did the right thing. But sometimes if we're honest in Christian communities, like, a couple breaks up and people are almost shaming you for, like, not wanting to be in that relationship. And just to reiterate, not wanting to spend time with someone... Like not liking, enjoying time with somebody is a great reason to not pursue spending the rest of your life in marriage with them. That's a great, you don't need a bigger reason than that. And so some of you guys, you might actually need a little bit of like liberty when it comes to preferences. And then that's even why in Proverbs 29, 19 or 29, 9, it says it's better for someone to sleep on the roof of the house than inside with a quarrelsome spouse. And what Solomon is doing in that, in that verse is teaching his son the importance of what it looks like to enjoy each other's company, to be able to get along, to bring out the best in each other, to not be with somebody who's you know, constantly confrontational. And so ask yourself, thinking of that verse, because this is Solomon, the, the wisest person in the Bible apart from Christ the wisest man to ever live. And he's telling his son, it actually matters that you want to be in the same home with someone. And so that just give yourself a little bit of grace there with preferences for, for some of you. So we'll take a little bit of a turn here and just start talking about how, how does this shape realistically 
just kind of a few important things that people need to embody in themselves as somebody who desires to date, as somebody who desires to be married, and then also what types of things should you be looking for in other people. Uh, so for the first one that we came up with, we got together, we, we kind of thought of some of the priorities is being a good brother and sister in Christ. Do you want to speak a little bit more to that? Yeah, it sounds super appealing when you're like trying to marry someone. You're like, you're my brother, you're my sister. Okay. It but sounds like a bad friend zone. Like I see you bad. as a brother. Yeah. Not, you know? not sexy at all. I'm so but... glad that God brought you in my life. <laughs> yeah, bro. You know, brother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I had time to share my story, that was kind of like how me and my wife started off as like little bro and big sis. Now we have three kids together. That's weird. next year's, uh, yeah. next year's breakout is going to yeah. be Christian called breaking through the friend zone barrier. Yeah. That'll be available that next be year. It's going to be great. Yeah, actually. Praise you can God. sign up now. So it's, I think dating is really h- tough because when you talk about this idea of being good brother and sister in Christ and figuring out like, if there's someone you should marry, you know, the only temple we have is looking at scripture in like Ephesians five that lists out like the functions of a husband and a wife. And so the tough thing about dating is you're looking for potential for people to fill those marital roles, but they aren't expected to actually do them yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like husbands are those who are called to die themselves, give their life up to, over to, for the wife to, to sanctify them with the word, wash them with the word, serve them. Wives are supposed to submit to their husbands out of reverence for Christ and to love them. And so it's like, you, sometimes there's been some unhealthy relationships where like we've been super spiritual and it's like the boyfriend functions as like husband. And then the wife is expected to be like the, the, the girlfriend's supposed to be like the wife. And so like, they're like, playing submission already and it's weird it's like ew no like if there's ever a guy in your life that's like submit and like they're not your husband even if they are your husband we talk about that another time that's not a good thing like you should break up with that guy yeah red flag flag. if they pull a submission card bad thing um and in that, there's a whole thing of just like, we're both submitting to each other in marriage. It says that at the upfront in Ephesians. It's a beautiful relationship. But I think really what you're looking for is not so much them to fulfill those roles. You're really looking at the quality of their life. You're looking at how did they follow Jesus today. If the guy or girl you're looking at is genuinely pursuing Jesus, again, like I said, I think it's easy to see that. It's not like you have to, all right, well, can he, it's, it's not like, is he leading me in my devotions? That's not his job. Could he do that? Maybe. Does he need to? No. Like you're responsible for your own walk with Jesus as he is too, but you would hope in a man you want to marry, you see him pursuing Jesus. You hear him talk about what he's ringing the word, how he's praying, how he's plugging to his church, serving, like repenting, confessing of sin to his community. You're seeing those life marks. And that to me is the highest test of, is this guy going to be a husband that I can see myself submitting to and walking with in marriage? Likewise, men don't just look for a hot chick. You want to see a girl who is sold out for Jesus in the same way as doing those similar things. Cause that is really the foundation of everything. You'll figure out marriage along the way with wise counsel and learning and growing in Christ. But like if the foundation is weak or non-existent or sketchy at best, that's a red flag. And that's the biggest thing you should look for. And I think again, if we're honest, these are not like mysteries. If it's not blatantly obvious, we already know where it's at. I mean, that's, that's just a reality. Those people who are pursuing Jesus and build their life around him, it's like a part of every single thing they do day in and day out, week in and week out. So I would say start there. Yeah, I think like a good question um, for the ladies on that is, you know, you're you're interested in this guy. And so you're kind of like starting to spend more time together and share, you know, more experiences together. And you really do get to ask, like, is this man, you know, worthy of my submission if we ever get married? Like, that is an appropriate question. Is this someone I would want to, you know, submit to spiritually for the rest of my life? And for the guys, you know, you get to ask, like, is this woman 
someone I would want to lead spiritually for the rest of my life? Like, would I find joy in being the spiritual leader of our household if we were to get married, start a new family, and live this whole life together, you know, pursuing the Lord together? And those are right questions, and I think we can do that in a kind, you know, charitable and appropriate way. But this, that's where wisdom comes yeah. in, is it's wonderful to have people in your life who you trust to help you answer those questions before you take more and more steps toward potentially getting married. And it's so important to really, really look at them. Don't just look at how they look. Don't just look at what people say, but really try to use the, the opportunity that you have, whether you're thinking about pursuing a relationship or you're in a relationship to really to actually slow down and think through and look through the details of it all. Um, I, I got on a plane to fly up here and I am not an engineer. I have a hard time putting my phone case together when I get a new phone case. I'm not an engineer by any means. Even Full if it's disclaimer. like one piece. One piece. I'm yeah. just like, uh, you know. But when I get on an airplane, I'm, I, in my mind, all of a sudden I become like an airplane inspector, you know, and I'm like looking out the windows. I'm like, that bolt doesn't look right. Like, that's not. A, that doesn't that, sound right. You know, and I'm like, and here's the thing. If I got on an airplane and I saw a bunch of loose bolts, I would get off the airplane before it takes off. I like, I don't need to be anywhere that bad. I love salt conference, but if I saw a bunch of loose bolts or a bunch of cracks in a, in a wing, like your boy's driving. Okay. Cause I mean, I'm just, but here's the thing. Like, that would be crazy. You'd be like, why would you do that? Why would you enter marriage with somebody that you continued to overlook character deficiency and faults over and over again? And so one of the beautiful things about dating and dating in Christian community is it gives you an opportunity to actually get to know that person and to ask yourself, does this person look like what the scriptures tell me a godly man or a godly woman should look like? And one of the things that uh, Amanda said at our, salt comp- or at our salt last year was so many students are way more interested in finding a godly person than being a godly person. And, um, and so I say that look for, look for those things in the people, but also look for those things in yourself because maybe your takeaway today is I need to pursue more faithfulness in my relationship with Christ before I start pursuing other people. But you want to be a good brother and sister in Christ and you want them to be that. Before you move on, let me throw a wrench in something too. For those who are in a dating relationship right now, and maybe you girl or guy, um, are sitting here thinking, ooh, I think we are in a questionable situation, or I think I'm dating someone who is not clearly this or that. Um, the tough part about that, I've always had a challenge with couples when it's like, let's say, for instance, the girl is like solid, but she's dating a guy who's less than solid. Um, and they're like, they hear something and they're challenged, or she is encouraged to challenge him of like, hey, we're going to break up if like, I don't start seeing these things. I think it's appropriate that if you really care about this person and you think there's potential down the road, but there's some things that need to shore up, I think you do have the freedom to have a conversation and other people in their life, those wise counselors, to challenge that person to grow in these areas. Um, the problem that I've always said that just takes counsel and prayer and I think more time is the reasoning and the motivation behind why they take strides to grow. Like if it's not only, if it's only so you, they can marry you. That's a problem. Like, don't just try to grow in Christ-likeness to marry the girl. You know what I mean? Like, you have to have the right heart to do that, which is tough to do when you're already in the relationship. It's possible, but it just, it's not a, it's not a, uh, a science. It's really an art in this situation that takes, again, prayer, time, and counsel to really discern if there's a, that relationship's going to pan out or maybe there needs to be a pivot and 
you know, there's things where like broke breakups happen and they get back together. But I think it's just to be sensitive to that, to understand like you can see the right actions, but like long term, the heart will show and that will sustain those actions or they'll go away again. So just be weary of that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so as Hunter mentioned, like a lot of times we will meet with students and they'll have these big concerns about like finding the right person and I've waited so long and I just really want to get married and they're like, you know, they're like 20 years old. We keep, you know, tell them like there's time and you, you must be patient and trust in God's timing for who he's going to bring into your life, the, the, the right person to marry. But we really do, we have this tendency of just focusing outward and looking and finding flaws and, and feeling, you know, so let down and disappointed because gosh, he just doesn't study the Bible. He doesn't read the Bible every day. And I, you know, I thought he did. And now we're dating and, you know, and, a lot of times we just have to redirect and say, well, you know, well, how are you doing with your spiritual disciplines? Because it's really easy for us to, you know, find flaws in other people and hold them to this really high standard. Yet we, you know, maybe struggling with, with our own, you know, pursuit of Jesus and growing spiritually. And if we're not prioritizing that, you know, this is, this is where it begins. And then it's just, um, trickles down from there and can be really hard. It's hard to have those conversations, but there's an accountability that, you know, we are called to. And so if we spend our time saying, Jesus, I want to live my life for you. I want to grow. Um, I want to read your word. And I want to just be the most godly Christian that I can be at this moment in my life. You know, then you're no longer looking outward, but you are focusing on what we are actually called to do. You can't change anyone. You can't threaten them. You can't give them an ultimatum. That's not you know, there's no pure intention behind, I'm going to read my Bible every day because I really want to marry this girl. Could God use that? Yes. You, I mean, absolutely. But, you know, the pure intentions, I think, is where it starts. And we really have to be willing to, like, look at our own heart before we, you know, try to just, like, fix all the guys that we want to date in order mm-hmm. to, you know, get them to a certain level that feels like my mentor is going to say it's okay now. You know, yeah. no, that's not a pure intention on either side. And singleness is like, sometimes we act like when we, when we think about singleness, we act like the hat in the Harry Potter movies, you know, where like, I feel like college students are like really stressed about what is my life going to look like? And if I don't find somebody during my college years and I'm, that's God's way of telling me that like, I'm going to be single for life. And so they act like it's like that hat. That's like, we could have salt and just like put it on. It's like single. (laughs) And you're like, Oh no, no, no. Are you sure you like do that? You like argue with that, you know? And here's a being single is something in your life right now, or however long that may be, even if that is indefinitely, you don't know, right? That's something that you can leverage for the gospel. And singleness is not a problem that needs to be fixed. No, it's called a gift. And sometimes we, I think sometimes because we want to have a beautiful high view of marriage, which we do because marriage is a gift from God and his Bible speaks to it. Sometimes we can make people who are single feel like they are less, and that's not what the scriptures say. And it's not a problem that needs to be fixed. And it doesn't need to be the number one priority in your life. The number one priority in your life is just to pursue faithfulness in Christ. And don't, don't buy into that mentality that like you've been branded with this. That's not, that's not what the scripture, it's I would like encourage you to actually study what the scriptures yeah, say. Like I'm called to singleness, but yeah. again, you're like 20 years old. So you really don't know like yeah. what God has for you. And just remember this, that Jesus was the most perfect whole person that ever walked the earth and he was single. 
Like he was not deficient because he never had a, a wife or a boo thing, as we say in Hebrew. All right. So just remember that. Yeah. And we're made complete in Christ. We're not made complete in marriage. Mm. Yeah. And that's a weight that you put on your spouse. That you is feel that heavy. heaviness yeah. of like, if I don't get married, I will never be, you know, like uh, the pastor's wife, you know? And I think that a lot of times we just let that sit on us and then, it drives us into these places of crazy because we're disappointed that we feel now we feel like I'm going to be called to singleness for the rest of my life. Let's not sit there and, you know, so first thing, be a good brother and sister. (laughs) Some, we got a little down the road, but hopefully that was helpful for you, but be a good brother and sister in Christ. Look for someone who's a good brother and sister in Christ. Even when you get married, that companionship, that friendship, that unity that we have in Jesus is the core bond. It's really important. The second thing that we would say is you need to be intentional. Someone who is an intentional person. Um, we all know the, the people who like, everything they do is kind of ambiguous. You, you know, so like the girls are like, are they going to shoot their shot with me or not? Like, I don't know what's going on here. You know, we call those guys dribblers at my salt because like they never shoot. They only dribble. They're like hanging around, you know, they're hanging around. We could get that catch, that catchphrase. And they're like, and you're like, is, are you going to ask her out? Are you going to ask her out? Or they're like, I just need to host a couple game nights. I need to like do like the Truman show where like I'm controlling all of these environments to like try to, but here's what I would say. It's so important from the beginning to be intentional, to be somebody who's intentional. When you think about what it means to be someone who's intentional, what is that? What comes to mind for you? I really, I mean, it sounds simple, but just honesty, like being straightforward um, about whether that's like about your past or about like what you're struggling with right now or what what you want your career to be. I mean, there's all these like basics and I'm not saying you come right out the gate at the coffee shop on your first date and talk about all your sexual sin. That's probably not like the best route to take. Unless you're into that kind of thing. (laughs) For some people, they just lay it all out there because they don't want to waste their time. That's fine too. But um, I just think that it's, I always am encouraging just, this is the question I feel like I ask the most. Have you talked to him about that? Yeah. Mm. Have you communicated with him about, you know, how you're feeling or, you know, you're worried about, you know, he started talking about his family and it sounds really broken and messy, you know, now you're worried about would I marry into that family? Just have you talked to him about it? And so I just think like we worry, um, students worry about like crossing the line of, you know, details and information too soon. And, you know, everyone has like their own personalities and that plays in, but I just think it's like, genuinely sharing who you are. You know, we, we want to keep the things hidden that we think this person's not going to like out of fear that, you know, they won't give me a chance or they'll break up with me if I tell them how broken my family is or whatever. And I think that it goes such a long way for someone to sit down across from you and feel like, oh, this person is like being very vulnerable and genuine with me you know, an honest and open person is going to attract an honest and open person. And that is someone that you could potentially see sharing your life with. Not someone who kept, you know, skeletons in their closet for three years. Now you have this dating history and how are we going to break up after all that time? You know, that it just becomes harder and harder and harder um, to just, you know, lay it out there and be intentional and honest. In line with that, I'd say clarity is king. Just on both ends from the get go, you have to get sit down, like you said, and like just hash out everything the first date. But I do think that you need to have understanding 
pretty as soon as possible. Again, what we said in the beginning of what dating is for and what your intentions are. All right. So I don't know if it's like the first coffee date and you'd be like, so I'm looking to get married. All right. And I think you'd be that person. But I do think like maybe before it gets serious, maybe like by the second or third, like little coffee date or whatever, when it's picking up steam and you feel like it's going somewhere, you want to be clear. You want to know what are we doing and why? If men, if you have intention like that and you communicate that to a girl, that's like a baseline thing to do. I think it might blow their brains. Like I've had people be like, I can't believe it. He was so nice. And then he told me why he wanted to date me and that how like he liked me. So and I was respectful. like, this is like crazy it's like unreal I've never heard this and we're before. going yes! yeah it's like thank god you know like a guy with a brain you know so um i'm on your side ben so just know that i think clarity is king and being intentional about it on the flip side i see a lot of times when I, me and my wife have counseled young women that like don't want to be with a dude or like a guy is showing interest like he's dribbling and he's about to take the shot and they know it very well but they and they have opportunities to like shut that down real quick because like they're like i'm not into this guy in any shape or form but they just won't do it or they'll like ambiguously turn him down but not really and it's like always like just tell him you're not interested like please for his sake and for your sake don't don't string them along as like you know i want hurt his feelings listen I get it. But a lot of times we fool ourselves into like thinking the best I could do is not hurt them when in reality the kindest thing you can do sometimes is to hurt them by being honest and being truthful and being clear of where you're at. So they don't waste their time and they don't get heartbroken thinking, oh, they led me on, they string me on. I just, I don't understand. So I would just say that both ends of that clarity is king. And the good news is you're still brothers and sisters in Christ, you know? Right. That's just, there, there's the, there's the, the important thing with that that I think that, you know, a good brother, a good sister wants what's best, you know, for each other. And even if that's not being in a dating relationship, you should actually have empathy and care for that other person. And it's not loving to string them along. It's not loving to, to do a lot of that. And so like actually caring for the person. And I would just say this last thing, because sometimes we have girls ask us, is it okay for the girl to ask the guy out? Which the answer is, yeah, that is okay. But what I wonder is, I wonder why he hasn't. And the reason I say that is if you're a guy in this room, you don't need to be like the Riz King, the Wizard of Oz or whatever people are saying. Like, That's, that's a, also Hunter's Breakout next year that you can sign up for, yeah. How to Be the Riz King. Yeah. You don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to do that. Like, You don't have to be that person. So don't hear me right now saying that you need to be like Mr. Like, hey, you know, like you don't need to be that, Careful, man. that guy. Hey. But I would say this. Back to Christian's point about, and Amanda's a point also, about looking at, does this person display the qualities that the scriptures say a good godly man, a good godly woman display? If you uh, are the type of person who's being really passive, if you're the type of person who just can't muster up enough courage to just say, hey, I would love to take you on a date. Would you like to get some coffee with me Friday? If you can't bring yourself to that point, I just wonder in your life down the road, what are other things that you can't muster up the courage and strength to do? And so that would be a genuine concern that I would have, all joking aside. So I'm not saying that girls can't ask guys out, but I'm saying it is very fair to ask why. And maybe there's circumstances, and there certainly are, that maybe it's just the guy hasn't perceived it. I'm not, I'm not saying the answer is always no, but it does matter. Show right now that you have some of those attributes and show that you're the type of person who I will be uncomfortable for 30 seconds in my life. Because I promise you that when you get married and you start to raise children and you start to 
uh, have a family that you're going to have to say more hard things. So if you're in this room, you're like, it's too hard to ask a girl out. Like there are more hard things to come. Right. And so just keep working your way up. So be intentional. Um, be someone who cares about godliness. We talked a lot about that, but godliness is really important. And then the last one that I want us to end on, because I think this is really, really important, is be someone who shows grace. Someone who shows grace. We are people who have been saved by Jesus Christ through grace and grace alone, and we're called to display that. Um, first and foremost, even to Christian's point earlier, to ourself. All three of us, we don't have time to give you our stories. All three of us have gone through brokenness and pain and shame when it comes to relationships. And we know what it's like to walk in a room like this and feel like I'm not good enough to be in this room. That's part of why we were excited to be here. So it starts with just showing yourself the grace that the mistakes you've made in your past do not equal the trajectory of your future and that you're fully forgiven in Christ. But when you guys think about grace, well, how would you encourage people to think about how to give that to themselves and apply that to others? Yeah, I think that's a really important question. And one thing that I was, I was going to say about just intentionality and honesty is that when you do begin spending time with someone who may, maybe you're dating or you want to date, and you get to share about your life, what God is doing in your life, or where you're falling short, you know, maybe what some of your weaknesses are, you get to see face-to-face, like, if they know how to show you grace. Are they a grace-filled person? You know, are they compassionate for maybe my failures um, from my past? Um, are they willing to, like, cheer me on and encourage me in my, in my spiritual growth or pursuing a degree or a career, whatever it may be? You know, you really get to see right away kind of what someone is made made of and you were just talking about like characteristics those characteristics like bleed into every area of this person's life so if they really struggle with self-control as y'all try to set boundaries you know there's probably many other areas besides a dating relationship where they will continue to struggle with self-control and if you marry someone like that it that is what you're signing up for and they may grow in it they may it may be something that they're continually working on but i think that there should be this threshold of like you know, if they're lacking this here, you know, it's safe to assume that, you know, this is going to be something that maybe God is still needing to, to work more in them before they are ready to date you. And so you get to see if they can have grace for you, how they talk about their friends, how they talk about their parents, their siblings, um, you know, their other relationships that are not with you. Hmm. What does that look like? Are they, you know, are they someone that their friends trust? Um, to, you know, share, to share things in life with. And I just think that's, you know, we can't say how important that is. That's good. I would say on the flip side of that too, if they are someone that you're dating and you find out they have quite the past and it's something that's tough for you, but they've given you evidences of growth, sanctification, repentance, awareness. And they're like, they're telling you, man, yeah, so this is my past. This is what I've done. This is what I've been through. Here's what I've done since that point. I have these men in my life. I'm walking with them. I got accountability. I have, I've had repentance. I've growth in this area. This is how long. Like, if they give you signs of those things, I think is what you really look for at the end of the day. It's just you need time to see these things. You need time. Sometimes I think it's like there's quick green flags. Like, man, this is all lining up. Let's go. Other times things might pop up and you're just like, okay, let's have some more space to really look at that and see that from different angles to see if that's a problem or not. And if they give you that response and there's something in you that can't wrestle down, like that bothers me. I don't think it's a them problem. I think it's something that's showing that maybe you need some time. Mm -hmm. 
maybe there's a question of like, why does that bother me so much? If they've done the right actions, if they've repented, if they've grown in sanctification, if they have accountability now, if they're like not the same person they were when they did those things, but yet I'm bothered by it. I think that's okay to be bothered by. And it's an okay thing to say, Hey, I need time to figure this out. So it's, it's tough because it's again, an art and I science. You might have a past with like, you know, failed marriages with your parents or even in, in other extended parts of your family. I have a lot of divorce and brokenness in my family tree. My parents have been remarried several times. Um, and that fueled me not to be that way. I don't fear commitment because of that, but some people I know do. And so when they hear mistrust or broken trust or mistakes in that way, um, it could be triggering. And then you have to step back and maybe just go see some counseling or work on that your own self before you enter into a relationship with that person long term. And that's not wrong. You shouldn't feel bad about that. It'll probably be hard for the person to hear those things. But you just got to trust Jesus with that. Like they'll be okay because you don't want to just like push through and be like, it really bothers me to the core, but like, I'm just going to get over it. I don't think that's the right choice. Like you got to work on those things and hopefully by God's grace, you'll get there. Uh, but I think that's, it's something to be aware of. Yeah. And, and I like what you said about not being afraid to slow down. And my, my dad is a charter fishing captain. And so growing up in Florida, my dad being a fishing captain, and I, I've just been around boats my entire life. And there's a saying in boats that's really good in relationships at certain moments like that, go slow, wreck slow. So like, if you've ever seen these videos of people just like full throttle, just like running their boat up on like a dock somewhere, whatever, it's really destructive, but that you could run into that same dock at like half a knot and it not leave a ding. And so I think sometimes speed is not our friend or, or rush is not our friend. And so when you hear that information, even just like Christian said, Hey, thank you for sharing. I really appreciate that. I want to talk to some godly people in my life and process this. This is not me saying that we're over. And if he doesn't respect that, then there's your answer. There's your answer. Do you want to be with somebody who isn't patient with you, who doesn't care about you processing? And so this is kind of the, the note I want to end on because I have two daughters, a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. Uh, actually, she just turned four, so a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. Um, and I want to talk to the ladies in the room just for one second that you understand the value that you have because of who you are in Jesus Christ. And that's so important to hold on to that in a world that is constantly trying to objectify you, like you are someone who is made in the image of Christ, you are a child of God, you are loved by God. And one of the things that I love in the very beginning in Genesis, when we see marriage given to us, is that when after Adam had seen all of these animals and God brings Eve before him, he says the world's weirdest proposal. He's like, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You know, it's like, this is intense. Biblical poetry. Yeah. It's not po- first date material. Poetic. And he praises God for the gift that she is. And so I would say this, if he doesn't see you as a gift, you shouldn't see him at all. And all God's sisters said, yes, queen. Amen. Um, But thank you, guys. Um, We don't have any resources for you. Uh, Our encouragement to you is to continue to talk with people around you. Talk to your SALT directors. We'll be hanging out up front if you have any questions for us. We hope you guys have a great rest of the day. Go get some lunch. Thanks for coming.